Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Creator Spotlight Season 3 from The Interface. Creator Spotlight is our series where we talk to creators about what they make and do and how they got started. Today I'm joined by Lexi Cooper, otherwise known as Track It Pacer Online. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great, Alex. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. You... We just had 15 yeah. minutes of toing and froing with technical issues. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say you you've been the most patient person that I've ever done a recording with because like how many times did I cancel on you? I think two or three. Before we did yeah. this. Yeah, and then of course I get on and we have like fifteen minutes of troubleshooting, like you said, but we figured it out in the end. That's yeah, all right. Not a problem. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's great to finally finally be here and chat with you. Fantastic. For me on. Thank you. For, thank you so much for giving up your time to to record with me. Um, I know you're a little bit ill as well, so it's it's not a not a problem at all. Um, so just for some context, um, just just going to give a brief overview about who you are and then what you make and do as well. So, yeah, um, I'm. Uh, woof. Actually, I've never had to do this before. I don't think like sum up myself in this way, <laughs> but like I. <laughs> so I'm a network engineer. I'll start with that. Um, I have a CCNA that beautifully expired a couple months ago actually um i wasn't always a network engineer i had a career before this so i'm still like i don't know i've been doing it for about four years five years mm -hmm. now um in my current role i my title is actually avionics integration engineer um, i work for an aerospace company called blue origin for people who are not familiar we are building a heavy lift rocket called new glenn and so that's the network that I work on right now, which is super weird. Mm. And a lot of my knowledge right now in networking is like very niche and strange. And I also can't talk about a lot of it. So it's wonderful. Yep. Um, but other than that, I make uh, videos on TikTok and I just generally am a menace on Twitter as well about a lot of the time tech topics, but not always. So. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be, a, <laughs> I used to be a network engineer as well. So, um, Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. I used to work for a wireless ISP. Um, so it's, okay. Yeah. Oh, wireless. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've been getting into, I've been dabbling in that just a little bit and it's like still very um, nebulous to me. Wireless is like RF technologies and stuff are not my forte. So it's been interesting to learn about, but yeah. also kind of difficult. It is so. incredible how it works. That's that's where I got my start. Like so it's just, it's, yeah, it's it's amazing how it works and um, just how, like, how short amount of time it's been around and how far it's come. Yeah, um, so it's, it's amazing what yeah, they can do now exactly. with wireless technologies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I people joke a lot that like there's you know Wi-Fi on the rocket or whatever, right? That I'm working on. We're not using Wi-Fi. I yep. can at least say that. But like we do have RF, right? Because there's, yep. there's radios on any given you know spacecraft, and so um, it's it's still RF, right? Like it's it's a similar, it's the same technology really. Mm. So it's it's kind of it's still kind of magical to me, and, yep. and I don't work with that stuff at all, but I find it very fascinating. Yeah, it's good um generally what what led you to networking in general so for me it was my first job and it was an apprenticeship i did which was an amazing opportunity to do um so what about what about you what sort of led you down that path of dabbling into networking man apprenticeship just as a quick note <laughs> apprenticeship is the cool like i i wish i had had that opportunity myself not that i'm like you know I think I would have been better off but i'm i'm pretty happy with where i am but i think apprenticeship is is an awesome thing to do I wish it were more common. Mm. Uh, maybe it's just America where it's not common. I'm not really yeah, sure, but like not really sure. It's very commonplace here. It used to be a um, huh. what do you call it? Like a sticking point or like a look down on type of thing ages ago. But it's it's very really? much um, a, a lot of people get into it, and it's a good way of getting a, a start in a career. So 
Yeah, I was gonna say I wish I wish I had had the opportunity to do that because I think it sounds like a fantastic way to to get into a career like this, yeah. which is a fantastic career. So, um, but yeah, I'm sorry. What was the question you asked originally? <laughs> That's right. Um, like, what what made you go down the journey of becoming uh, a network engineer, right. basically? Right. Um, so I had another career before this, and I won't get into like all the details, but right. I, I have a, you know my only higher education degree is a bachelor's in English literature, um, which is obviously not like directly applicable to network engineering. Um, I didn't actually know that network engineering was a thing for like most of my 20s. And then when I was like nearing 30, I was just so unhappy with the career I was in. Um, and I actually, uh, I tell this story on, on the Art of Network Engineering podcast too. It's, I, like to, I like to tell the story because it's the only time I've ever done any, anything poignant in my life where I like, <laughs> I set this calendar reminder on my phone. Like I was so miserable. I was like, I have to do something, but like I need to give it one more shot. So I set this calendar reminder on my phone for I think like three months later. Um, and it was like, are you still miserable? Question mark was like all it was and the my deal with myself that I made when I made that reminder was if I'm still miserable in three months I have to quit my job I have to leave this town that I'm in and I have to go move back with my parents and figure out my next career move because mm -hmm. this isn't working so that time came and went and I was still miserable so I did that I quit my job and I decided like okay I'm gonna just like move back in with my parents I was very lucky that they were willing to let me do that and then I'm going to just like explore what career options are out there. There is a nice community college nearby. And so I started taking courses there. And I originally was interested in tech because I was like, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff out there for like women getting into programming. Like there was a lot of that um, being pushed at the time, which is great, I mm -hmm. think. So I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll look into programming. So I, I did like introductory classes at this community college and then I took this course called Introduction to Networks. I had no idea what that was. And then, um, like, I find out what an IP address is, and my mind is just completely blown. I'm not kidding. Like, that, I remember the moment where, like, my instructor was like, yeah, so let's talk about IP addresses. And we talked about it, and I was just like, the whole time. Mm. Um, so once I learned what an IP address was, I was like, I want to do this. This is so cool. And that's, that's it. So since then, I, I've gotten my CCNA. I started working in a NOC at like an ISP cloud provider-esque place. Yep. Um, and now somehow, for some godforsaken reason, they want me at Blue Origin. Thank God. So <laughs> so that's where I am now. Yeah, that's what I used to do at, my, at the Wispies. I used to be in the NOC, so that's what I, that's what oh, cool. I did as well. So. The NOC is such a great learning place. Like I, I am so, I will forever be grateful for my time mm -hmm. there. I got to touch so many different pieces of hardware. Um, you know, I, I learned so much different, like it was a multi-vendor environment yeah, very yeah. heavily. And it was also a little chaotic, like network infrastructure oh, yeah, yeah. wise. Yeah, like you, you, it's like this, you know, there's thousands and thousands of network devices yeah. on there. And so, you know, you have like somebody designed this one little section of it and then someone else designed this other section mm -hmm. of it. And one of those people was like studying for their CCIE. So it's very obvious like what they did there. But then this other person was like, no, 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 Juniper, Juniper, Juniper. And like, did something else with it. And so I got to learn like all these different perspectives, mm. like network architecture is very, very interesting. So the knock is an awesome place to learn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's were they, were they primarily fiber or um, was it older stuff than that? I think they were, yes, they were primarily fiber, but you know what? There's a lot of old stuff too. Like they, yeah. do, they had some stuff still on like bread racks and like a, a DC right. that was like, you know, stitched together with like 
I don't know, duct tape and <laughs> prayers. Um, but there, so there was like copper ethernet stuff yep. that we were working on as well. Um, but then, you know, I got some DWDM experience. Um, it was a lot of like junior level stuff, mm -hmm. of course, but like a very broad education there. And it really made me a better network engineer. That's fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the thing I'm interested in, because like when you look at network engineering, there could be all kinds of things. Like you could go for um, ISP stuff. You could go for like audio visual stuff. So when they record massive TV shows, it's surprising how much networking is in that because of how much bandwidth there you need for it. Um, yeah. When I learned about that, that you do stuff for rockets like I know, I know you can't really talk about much of it but what like the first question i had what kind of net is it communication for the like to for the rockets to get back to for communication to monitor it and that sort of thing and then what like what even yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what even what even yeah. is it yeah yeah um broadly speaking because like you said i can't yeah, unfortunately yeah. there's like nda itar stuff going on so i can't speak very specifically on it but yeah i mean like any spacefaring vehicle you're going to need to have communications to ground um, obviously in order to monitor it, yep. depending on what like that vehicle's purpose and mission is, you know, and then of course, um, within the vehicle is incredibly important mm. as well. So my role specific, so we have all of that going on. My role specifically is just on the vehicle because ground comms is an RF is like a whole other like enchilada, right? So, um, I am specifically an integration engineer for the networking like uh, devices, mm -hmm. avionics on the rocket itself. So I help basically, my, my network allows the individual computers and electronic things on this rocket to work together and talk. Um, it's a very, very low latency environment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my network has to has to do a lot of things to enable that and and allow the rocket and all those avionics to work together as one thing, the rocket, not like individual mm. systems. Right. So, um, yeah, it's 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 very different than um, a terrestrial network. Mm -hmm. I love saying that terrestrial <laughs> network, but it really, you know, it's 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 very different. There's a lot of similarities to how you would, you know, consider I don't know, considerations you have to make when you're designing a terrestrial network, like for a data center or mm. whatever, um, or for like an enterprise. Um, there are some similar considerations, but there's a lot of stuff you have to think about in the environment, like space, mm -hmm. you know, outer space, uh, that that just you don't have to care about on Earth because it doesn't, you know, you're not gonna have like the extremes of hot and cold. You're not gonna have insane radiation mm. on Earth, ideally, like, <laughs> like you would in space, right? So you have to think about that with your network. Um, when you're designing it. So, um, like I said, it's a whole other like yeah. enchilada to like talk about our, just, just communications to and on ground to the vehicle versus communications on the vehicle. Wow. Yeah. And I guess mm -hmm. a lot of the control, but well, yeah, everything will be networked when it's so all the controls and stuff and sort of like telling it where to go and things. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's the main question I had. So I mean, like, think about a car, right? Because yeah. cars have networks on them, too. Um, yeah. And, like, certain variations of Ethernet actually live on, on a lot of our cars. Mm. And, you know, these days, cars are built with much more computer systems in them than they ever have mm. before, right? So um, you obviously have to have a network on a car so that the car, you know, or the, you know, truck or whatever it is, operates as a whole unit mm -hmm. that is that car versus just like the individual computer systems on it. It's the same concept with a rocket, right? Um, you're, you're 
the network allows this thing to act as the thing and not just those individual parts. So it's very fascinating. Yeah, makes sense. And then you answered it kind of, well, it's a sort of related question, but I was going to ask, um, do you have to be careful on what things you make videos on? So you, Yes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. this is very emphatic, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I originally was not going to talk about it at all. Yeah. Um, my mentor at work is like very cautious and I understand that. Um, so I've sort of adopted his like, uh, his sort of thoughts on it mm -hmm. are like, you maybe there's some things you actually can talk about more in depth than you expect but it's better to just not mm -hmm. just in case you get it wrong like there's mm -hmm. a lot of like individual there's a lot of room for nuance i think especially with like itar can be very very strict yeah. um and then of course our individual company ndas also like i'd have to be so familiar with them that i know them like the back of my hand in yeah. order to like do everything perfectly right so i just i err on the side of like don't yeah. talk about the vehicle network um the the closest i think i've ever gotten to that i think is like man what have i even talked about i've talked to i've t i've alluded i've alluded to other than i've talked about like the general challenges of designing a network for space but yeah. i haven't specified like how we address those challenges yeah, on our vehicle um i also i think i mentioned like very vaguely a project that i worked on to create like a custom device for lab troubleshooting that yeah. I did. Um, and that's as far as I went with it, right? So I do have to be very, very careful. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people like have thoughts on that. A lot of like external people who don't work for my company, they have a lot of like very strong opinions on like, I should be able to talk about this stuff in detail, but I, you know, I, I understand where my company is coming from, right? It's like, mm -hmm. The NDA, you can debate about NDAs all day, but at the end of the day, like that's just what the company has chosen. And so I'm just gonna go with it. And then ITAR is actually like a very, very strict like US thing mm. where like, you know, I won't go into like the whole history of it and everything, but essentially it's just like, if you, t if you accidentally, if you reveal in any way, like how to build a rocket in general to someone from another country, you are, the idea behind ITAR at least is that you're essentially teaching them how to build a bomb. Yep. Why would you, cause you know, a rocket is kind of like a giant bomb yeah, yeah. with like its point is not to be a bomb, but it can turn into a bomb if you do it wrong. So like you don't really want to teach, you know, potentially bad actors from foreign countries or whatever, how to build a bomb, how to make bombs better or whatever. Right. So that's, that's why I tend to err on the yeah. side of just don't, just don't mess with that. Cause it's a serious deal. Yeah. I'd imagine the people that are sort of saying, oh, why can't I talk about it? Probably have no concept of an NDA yeah. or anything. Like, if you're not, like, if you know what I mean, like, they, they're, like, a lot of people don't work at a company that have an NDA process, if you know what I mean. Right. And they just, like, they think, oh, and then they just generally think, oh, why, why, why can't you talk about it? And that sort of thing. So I'd imagine that's probably why. Right. But, and I'm, I'm very lucky that, like, my company does not appear, appear to care yeah. that I, like, make videos. I think they would care if they found out I was talking about the Rocket Network, yeah. like, in detail. Um, but they don't seem to care that I, like, have a personality. I actually, when I was hired on, you know, the people who hired me already knew. Yeah. They knew me from that. So it was fine. That's cool, yeah. Yeah. But um, it, it can be a bit of a challenge because I do really want to talk about it and I just can't. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's, I've learned so much and i have alluded to some of the things that i've learned you know over over social media mm -hmm. but i haven't gone into detail and um i really wish i could talk about it but i won't yeah <laughs> and then 
before you started working at Blue Origin, did you do any anything online beforehand, or was, how did that come about? Yeah, so creating videos, I didn't. Yeah. Um, not it didn't really. Co I didn't create videos because I started working at Blue Origin. It it actually came about because Twitter was people were exiting Twitter. Yeah. Essentially, this was about a year ago, but. Yeah, yeah. I originally started back when I was working in the knock actually on the night shift, just a little junior baby. Um, and I, I was still learning a lot and I was studying for my CCMP and I was, uh, I, I got a Twitter account just to like, uh, connect with people in network engineering mm -hmm. and tech. And I just started posting these stupid like image macros with like very garish like font and like a dumpster fire in the background. Just like I would make these silly like heavy on the cursing image macros about like technologies I was studying um, for the CCMP exam. Um, and and people seemed to think those were really funny. So I just like kept going for a little while. And so that's like how I started. I just was venting basically about studying for the, the NP, which I had never got by the way, okay. but it was, it was fodder for a lot of fun jokes at least. Um, yeah, and then I started making videos about a year ago now because of this like, what seemed at the time like a mass exodus mm. uh, from Twitter, which, you know, more has been kind of an exodus, but some people have stayed, you know, so yeah. I'm now active on like multiple different platforms. I did not originally think I was gonna start making videos. I was, this was the TikTok thing that I do that gets posted to like Instagram and Twitter when I'm done, like that was begrudging. You know, I did not wanna do that at first. I was not jazzed about the idea of like making videos. I did not think I would be good at it. Yep. Um, which I wasn't for a while and I'm still not that great, but I, I think I've improved. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a bit of an adjustment for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I can, I can, the similar sort of thing for me as well. So, um, mm. it, it's, it's a making videos of any kind of form is a big learning curve, like speaking correctly and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just trying to yeah. speak normally when you, when you film yourself, it's just, yeah. Yeah, and you like start worrying about how you look and like, yep. you know, people will comment, especially if you're a woman, right? Like people will comment about how you look, whether it's good or bad mm. or whatever, right? So you have to like deal with that. And then there's like, you you open yourself up. I think once you put your face like very publicly out there, you do open yourself up to a lot of, you know, whatever people's opinions are, whether those are good or bad or in between, like they will say it, mm -hmm. they will let you know, and you have to be ready for it. Yeah, um, I can't I have even... to. Well, I do. Uh, do you? I'm, I know you make videos for this podcast, yep. right? Like, I know you record video. But yep. Do you make any other video content yourself? Yeah. So my day job, I work for a company called Hostify, which does um, network software hosting for Ubiquity hardware. Um, so I make YouTube videos as part of my job for that, so like tutorials and things. Okay. Uh, and that's cool. that's the first thing I did for video, and then I do other bits and pieces for the the website behind this podcast, like car reviews and different things. So. Um, uh, okay. But yeah, so I do tutorial videos about networking day to day um so yeah so you know you know the struggle <laughs> <laughs> you understand the struggle okay cool yeah um at least like i'll say this like getting getting on video um i feel like i was at least able to speak okay at first even though my like audio video quality wasn't the best because i had been on podcasts mm -hmm. um and i was so i was like regularly speaking there so, um, you know, at least the skills from one medium sort of transfer over yeah. a bit. 
But, you know, at the beginning, it was like I had only been tweeting on Twitter. I had only been posting there. And like, that's so easy to do, right? Like I can, I have COVID right right now. And I've just been tweeting from my bed, like feeling like shit, right? Like it's so easy to post on Twitter. I didn't need to really do anything to prepare for that. And like to a degree, even though my face was out there on Twitter, it wasn't the same as like video. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's. It was hard for me to, to move to video, but now I'm, I'd say I'm fairly comfortable with it. So it's yeah. been fun. And then I'm not sure how long, it, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one, but I'm not sure how long it's been a problem for you. But I noticed recently you've had quite a lot of like sexist comments and stuff online. And yeah. I just, <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine what that's like to deal with, to be honest. Like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it's, it was really, really, really hard at first. Now it's only like, hard yeah you know like it get it does get easier i think um especially because i'm lucky enough to be part of a community of people who like an overwhelming majority um are just wonderful people mm. very supportive men and women um but you know let's be real the tech community is is a majority of men um there's more men than women yeah. and but i i am thankful all the time for the many 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 supportive awesome you know, frankly, amazing men that I've met and am friends with and have been able to connect with through, you know, doing this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. making content or just posting stupid shit on Twitter. Like I, I it's been a lot of fun. So I got to say like the sexist comments are difficult for me at times to get over, but I do get over them and it's because everybody else is so awesome. Um, yeah. So having that community is like having a it's having a support system and and eventually i i am always walked away from the ledge <laughs> so to speak yeah that's really good yeah it's having mm-hmm. it's useful having a good network of people especially if you're a bit more public than you'd like to be i guess like, yeah yeah um yeah it it I, I will say this recently only recently like very recently have i ever had issues with like where i felt like my personal safety was kind of at risk oh, really? um yeah i hate saying that but like it it happens every once in a while, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to say that I was this innocent little lamb just sitting here minding my own business. I piss, I piss men off. Like, I will piss men off every once in a while. And it's because they say stupid shit about women, right? So I'll, I'll, I'm very outspoken. I will tweet about this person. I will retweet what they said about women and be like, look at this joker, right? Yeah. Look at this clown. And they don't like that when you call them out, especially when you say, hey, this person... Uh, owns this company so i so i have had a just a couple situations where um i thought that somebody was capable of like doxing me and um like swatting me right and luckily that never actually happened Mm -hmm. um i've had a few very sad pathetic attempts to dox me that were not accurate so luckily you know that's not a challenge by the way listeners that's not me saying (laughs) <laughs> please don't talk to me <laughs> but yeah I've, I've had some people try to do that and it's just sort of like you know i i was again the community like i had a lawyer actually contact me and mm. be like hey if you want like i'll talk i'll give you a free hour of my time if you wow. want like some help dealing with this and he was um it was he did so much to ease my mind and now i feel like i'm much better equipped to deal with even something like that yeah right that's really good so yeah yeah i think I don't know what it I think networks like Twitter as well it it's so literally 
I think I was listening to a podcast about how Twitter got started. I think it was Land of the Giants or something. Uh, they talk about the history of history of the social media. And it, when it very when it got when it got first started, it was quite a unique thing because literally, if you post anything on a new account, that can go anywhere you want. You've got it's got access to everyone on the network. Whereas something like Facebook or Instagram, you have to be following that person to see the stuff mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. friends with them. So I think when people say stuff online, they're not particularly they don't don't think too much about it think oh this could actually be shared wherever wherever you want and someone can yeah. someone with millions of followers can just retweet this whenever they want it takes two seconds and you've you've been pushed into that new network of people so just that's a yeah that's a good that's actually a topic that i find really interesting that i think should be talked about more i think what you're tell, tell me if i'm wrong but mm-hmm. it sounds like what you're talking about is sort of the like power dynamic between um I don't know, people with a lot of followers on like a very public platform like Twitter, for example, right? Where everybody can see that, what, what you said potentially versus um, like Facebook or whatever, where you, you may have to be like friends with that person to see what they say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I, one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn about being a like very visible person in this space Mm -hmm. i don't think this is unique to the tech space or Mm -hmm. anything um but being a very visible person on the internet um has i've made some mistakes in that vein where i have like quote tweeted somebody and been like pretty harsh and this person has like 50 followers and i have like twenty thousand at the time or whatever Mm -hmm. right and it just so then that person gets piled on too and even if what they said was stupid even if they were being a jackass like do they really deserve to be harassed to that level because ultimately you know it just me having that many followers immediately increases like the scope of what that person said and i've had to i have regretted times where i've like caused a pile on to a person like that um and so now I try to be as conscious as I can and as like purposeful as I can about whose posts I interact with and in what way and like what is the power dynamic here and how do I think my followers will probably respond. Um, again, I have purposely, like I have, I have done it knowingly um, to men who say really awful things about women, for example, on the internet. I have very um, purposely quote tweeted and pointed out who they are for like knowing that they would get this pile on mm-hmm. um but i don't try to do that i don't try to make that a regular thing and it's only when it's like this person's really fucked up like this person needs to fucking shut up <laughs> now like they're they are abusing people online they need to stop um but again it, that's like that's like, even saying that makes me feel a little ick um, I'm like realizing, you know, it's it's like a vigilante type thing yeah. almost. It feels weird, and so I'm I'm constantly going back to like, what kind of a person do I want to be at the end of the day? I have to reevaluate. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, you, I think. Yeah, the thing I was on about was I think you took it a different different direction. Like, like should you? The thing I was on about was like the fact that that's possible. People don't consider it before they click post that's what i mean i see the fact that it is it is got the potential to be so exposed and you can have i've seen it happen loads and it's maybe quite scared to be honest (laughs) like like the potential that that whole group of people has it's just it's like a i don't know like a ticking time bomb a little bit but 
Just go. Are you talking about like people? People think they're behind this anonymous yes. screen, yeah. and then they, yeah, yeah. That, I get. Yeah, I guess you're talking about like the other side of it, right? Yeah, the yeah. other side of the coin there. Where, yeah, um, I, yeah. It's it's another thing that you have to grapple with with being online. So that, that's a good point. Like when you're when you're very visible already, or you have a lot of followers, you kind of expect that. But when you don't, you don't. Mm-hmm. And so. You know how do you how do you handle that? Um, I don't have a whole lot of patience for people who don't think about that and say something awful. That's fair. But enough. at the same time, yeah. yeah. But you know, at the same time, you can argue like, I am I the judge, jury, and executioner mm-hmm. metaphorically of people's I don't know online lives. Um, it's it's a really really tricky nuanced thing. So I I try to be as conscious of all of this as I can be, but philosophically, it's a little overwhelming. I got you. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. I, I, I think people who do get those sort of comments online, they do very well to handle it, even if it seem, even if behind the scenes you're not. And yeah, it's it's a shame that people like people have to deal with it day to day. It's just yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I I have gotten to the point, like sort of along those lines, like dealing with it day to day. But things like sexist comments or rude comments or whatever. Um, I think I mentioned like I was really, really bad at mm-hmm. dealing with them at first and I would just react all the time to every single one basically yep. and like call attention to it, quote tweet it or take a screenshot and like say, look at this terrible person. And to some degree, I still do that, right? Like it's it's very, it depending on the severity of it, right? But mm-hmm. it's very, um, it, it can be unhealthy, not for like also for that person, obviously, but it can also be unhealthy for me yeah. to like you know focus on it that much purposefully and even though i'm definitely going to see it regardless i can choose to like give it more life than it deserves by like drawing a ton of attention to it and constantly going back to it versus like yeah it's shitty yeah i need to go like take my mind off of this for a little while because it affected me but ultimately like if i if I make a post on Twitter about this terrible thing someone has said, ultimately I'm going to have to read it over and over again. And it's going to keep getting into my psyche and all that. And so I need to, I've learned how to take care of myself a little bit better by not like going back to some comments. Um, yeah. Cause otherwise yeah, you just, could either do one thing. You could either block the person that has said the thing or you right. could choose to like, quote tweet it, whatever. And every time someone interacts with that, you'll see that come mm-hmm. back every single time. So yeah. 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 And unfortunately there are people who even if you block them, they have they have accounts, they have sock accounts or whatever. They oh, okay. make multiple accounts to follow you and then continue to harass you. Um yep. I you know, and that kind of thing I deal with on an individual basis, depending on the person <laughs> and how much attention do I think they want? <laughs> Will I make them happy by drawing attention to it? Um there's a few people out there that many of us are Many of us in the in the I'm sure in like the infosec community and the tech community are very aware of um, who like just if you give them more attention, then they're happier yeah. in their own miserable little way. And so the best thing to do is just make sure they know that you don't really care. So I have I have been practicing not caring. <laughs> Let's move on to something a bit more positive. Um, um, yeah, for sure. Sorry. <laughs> that's right. Um, mentioned at the start of the episode that you've been dabbling into wi-fi stuff um so yeah, yeah what i meant i saw something you post a video where you've got an echo which i've used one of them once they are so cool 
Um, yeah, I should have. Uh, yeah, should I don't have it out right now, but yeah, I've got a I've got a sidekick too that Ekaha was kind enough to like just, you know, we collaborated on some videos, okay. right? Like they wanted me to make some videos, and and you know, in the end, I was just like, can you just send me some cool shit, and then I'll do the videos, and they did, and it was the coolest shit. Um, so I I have the sidekick too, which is their newest like you know yeah, yeah. Um, network analyzer spectrum analyzer like wireless network everything you know device that they have and um holy shit like i i don't know enough about wi-fi i feel undeserving of this device but i have such a blast using it because um you know i've done some i've done some really videos that i had a blast making for for ekahau uh because all i did was like go to places and like criticize their Wi-Fi, <laughs> like based on what the sidekick gave me so i wasn't gonna obviously like dox myself by like doing my own home yeah, yeah. wi-fi i did do that on my own but i'm not gonna show it on camera and so i went to like a wendy's and i went to a mall um and i've done some stuff at a costco but i think i'm gonna have to redo it so unfortunately okay. that's not on video but i've done a few different places now um where i've like analyzed their wi-fi like public places yep. and and shared shared that online and how the sidekick like does all the things it does and i don't think i've even scratched the sur surface of what that thing does mm -hmm. um so i've been meaning to like take more of the ekao training uh but i just got so distracted with how fun it was to to, <laughs> to do those surveys so um yeah i've got a few really like i think they're really fun videos mm -hmm. of me like doing the wall the mall wi-fi and walking around the wendy's and eating chicken nuggets <laughs> so yeah for those wondering you can get docked by wi-fi not simply by the SSID of the Wi-Fi network. It's by the essentially the MAC address of the the SSID. It's being broadcast. There is a database out there um, full of they're called BSSIDs, um, and essentially the way your phone or device, like a laptop, knows where it is, is by that database. So you could essentially get docs by cross-referencing that database, essentially. So which is great. I don't think I knew that. Oh. That's really good to know. Yeah. You can actually potentially be doxxed yes. just with a MAC address. Yeah, there's Okay, a, well, I'm glad I was not showing MAC address. Yeah, so <laughs> is when I made these videos. Like in the mall as well. So if you've got an SSID that's the same SSID in bro being broadcast over different um, Wi-Fi mm -hmm. access points, each Wi-Fi access point has a unique BSSID. And then again, that can be also uh, in that database. So if you've got like a, a laptop with no GPS, it knows where it is based on that database. So. Wow. So wait, you said BSSID, right? Yeah. Is that this is a dumb question yeah. right so is that different than an ssid like what does the b stand for uh so it's uh i don't know what the b stands for but okay. <laughs> um sorry to put you on the spot but right. it's is it different like yeah a... so the ssid is the the wi-fi name so like wendy's wi-fi and then the way that okay. the phone knows to knows the difference between the different access points that are broadcasting that unique ssid it uses a essentially a mac address which is called a bssid and then it uh that's how it maps it um so it knows okay, the difference so between it, the two it is a mac it's a special mac address yes. or is it just a mac address we call it bssid it's a okay. software mac address <laughs> i think oh you know what i was that's so interesting thank you for sharing that oh, um so i i i was what was i looking at i think it was the wendy's one it was either the wendy's one or like my home one but i did notice yeah. right like occasionally the sidekick will like it does its best to know like this is an ap versus not okay. but like occasionally it will um show an ap on the um heat map yeah. that it's detected that's actually not 
an AP. Right. It just thought it was a separate AP and it's like right next to the other, the main yeah, AP, yeah. the primary one. And it turns out, you know, I talked to the Ekaho folks about this because I was curious. I was like, this is not an, an extra AP in my house. I'm curious. Like I noticed that the MAC address on it is like one in hex, like off mm-hmm. from the primary MAC address. And they explained like that's probably like the, I forget the antenna, I guess, mm-hmm. on like separate antennas on the um, AP or something like that, right? Like it has separate MAC addresses for each little nick or something. And so, um, yeah, I, th- I I didn't make that connection. Like is, I guess that might be the BSS yeah, yeah. ID. Okay. Yeah, if you've so, got- That's so cool. Yeah, All if right. you've got an access point that's broadcasting three different SSIDs, each one of those will have a, a BSS ID, which is, I think it's essentially the MAC address, it, like part of its identity is part of the MAC address plus some extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it, each okay. BSS ID will be ever so slightly different. It's just, it's just so the devices roaming around can work out which one's which, essentially. That's fascinating. Wow, look at me. I do need to get back into Wi-Fi. I've been meaning to do more of those videos with the sidekick. Um, part of me, I just, I want, I want to find the time to learn more. So when I actually do a video on it, I'm not just going like, hey, this is so cool. Like I can actually explain a little bit about it. Um, but also I just like, you know, I've been very busy. Um, yeah, yeah. So I need to get back into it. But I, I truly have had a blast um, with the sidekick. So thanks, Ekahal, if you're listening. <laughs> what kind of things have you found wrong with public Wi-Fi? <laughs> Actually, well, okay, I still need to go. I, I have not. The mall Wi-Fi yeah. was an overwhelming. Like, I'm sure, like, people who know Wi-Fi, right? Like, I'm sure you're aware, like, the mall was insane. Yeah, like, yeah. it was just a free-for-all, like, Wild West. Mm-hmm. Throw your AP here. Make it, you know, just pick a channel. Who cares? Like, just throw it here. And so there's tons of APs and tons of different, mm-hmm. like, rogue devices probably and then like personal hotspots and yep. things like that so it was just like this overwhelming map i did not know i did not know it was quite the wild west wi-fi wise in a mall um well, yeah because you've probably got the that, mall wi-fi itself and each store has mm-hmm. probably their own wi-fi and then you right. find in restaurants that the pos systems the whatever companies install them doesn't understand vlans so you end up having three <laughs> aps next to each other doing different things so yeah that's hilarious to me like i would love to find that out just for fun and be like haha you know um sketchers did some shit with their wi-fi um but also like seeing all the um the wendy's one Mm. i found i forget i forget which model of car it was but i don't know it was like a hyundai or something or like a super it was a subaru i think but they were like it was like a little hot spot in each you could see in the parking lot outside of the um outside of the store that like there were a few cars parked there because you could see the SS- yeah, yeah. sorry you could see the SSIDs like lining up like in the parking lot hilarious I did not know I didn't realize like it makes sense now but I didn't realize doing that survey that mm. I would pick things up like that it's it's fascinating how much stuff is advertising yep. all the time like over wireless or like mobile you know like it's it's fascinating yep. I love it and this is what I mean, this is what I got back to about the first ep- first uh, sorry this is what I got. This is what I mentioned at the very start of the episode. Like Wi-Fi itself, publicly, has only been around for 23, 24 years. Like how entrenched in our life that it's become and now it's in so cars. quickly. Like it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah it is wild. Um, I remember when it first came out, actually. I feel very old. I'm like old enough to have been conscious when and like paying attention and stuff. <laughs> like when Wi-Fi was a thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so 
if I if I had infinite time and money or like I could just snap my fingers and like pause time and like study a thing for as long as I needed and then snap them again and I'm an expert now um it would be it would be wireless solely because I find it so interesting yeah. not because I'm really I'm not really that interested in going into like a wi-fi related career or like or like you know track in my career um it's just so damn cool yeah if so. you want there's one thing of it learning about it how it works and then the other side of the coin is troubleshooting it and then there's they're two different right, side like, of <laughs> just like anything right though like we we know as network engineers, like it's it's you study for your CCNA or your CCMP and then you go and you do like all the things like wrong to troubleshoot yep. because that's just how the real world works, right? So hilarious. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and then I don't know, I mentioned a company called Ubiquity in the show. I don't know, what, hmm. what do you think about some of the new networking hardware that's coming out? So like um, personally, I've, I'm really bad at using anything that's command line based. I just can't get my brain around it somehow and really yeah huh. i just and then when you speak to people they're saying oh this isn't proper stuff because it has no command line or it's gui based or whatever but oh like, sticklers yeah yeah i love the command line but but i you know i don't know i got a ccna and that's all i knew and then i went to a knock and that's all i knew yep. and GUIs upset me sometimes <laughs> but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and be like you know looking down on on hardware that has GUIs, yep. it makes it easier for people to use. Yep. Um, I think it's wonderful, honestly. It makes things more accessible. Um, command line's always fun, in my opinion, but it's also not like something that I think we need to stay in forever as an industry. Like if you're doing, especially if you're making consumer networking, more or less consumer networking hardware, like why why not make it easier to use? More pe it, it makes sense from a business perspective. More people are gonna buy your stuff and like wanna use it, the easier it is to use. And a GUI is just easier to use. Um, but like, you know, when you're when you're working an ISP or something, I don't know, and it's it's like you gotta do some complicated BGP shit or whatever. Like sometimes I actually do think that you know, if you're if you're doing something that has a high level of impact, it might be better maybe to be using a command line because you have to enter those things in very purposefully. Yeah. Whereas depending on the GUI or like the interface you're using, it, it you could sort of I don't know. I could see this in myself. Mm -hmm. I could see myself going on um, like autopilot a little bit and like just clicking stuff. Like, what if you accidentally? like click on the wrong thing and suddenly you've taken down the internet for like your East coast customers or something, right? Like I feel like sometimes the command line can be nice because you have to actually type in every value mm -hmm. unless you've got automation, which blah, blah, whatever. But like if we're talking manual command line. Um, if you have to like enter in that OSPF metric, like by hand, it yeah. really, you know, really sets that for you you know what you're entering in usually i kind of did that once i was um inside a uh, a mikrotik gui once um and mm -hmm. i accidentally turned off i accidentally disabled the interface for its uplink oh my god yeah so how many people oh quite <laughs> a few hundred so. oh boy yeah. that's always fun so that, but you know you're not fixed. a real engineer until you do something like that <laughs> Preferably multiple times, but you have to do it at least once to be a real engineer. So. Yeah, yeah, we had congrats. We had some fiber optic <laughs> equipment that was command line only, and for how much of a struggle this was for me, everything that I had to do on that piece of hardware, I'd have it written out, every single command, like how to do this certain thing, how to do that certain <laughs> thing, because I can never ever remember it. I just yeah. must be something to do in my brain. I just can't remember command line stuff. So well, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it is like a huge portion of CCNA CCMP stuff is just memor just rote memorization of command line like stuff mm -hmm. and you could make a very legitimate argument that like why are we spending our time on that when we could spend our time actually learning how it works and that's a much more like you know a much bad enough much more beneficial mm. thing to do for us in the long run like memorizing commands like it's not that it's not that interesting no so i yeah i don't i don't i understand the like fear that some engineers have of of like getting rid of the command line but i also think they need to chill out about it a little bit like i love the command line like i said but um i'm not gonna sit here and like say we should delay progress no. make things less accessible for people forever so yeah and then just finally have you got some sort of skills that you've learned over the past few years of being a network engineer that you think would be good for people to sort of try and learn that's a good question <laughs> i i i often feel like the skills i've learned other people already know so it's hard for me to this is probably an imposter syndrome thing um there's always there's always people who are like learning how to be a network engineer for the first time that's so. true that's true that's a good point um skills wise i would say so two things one of them a little more solid than the other one troubleshooting um that sounds very obvious but i've met a number of network engineers um who usually it's the more junior people of course but like not great at troubleshooting like being able to see the problem at, an, at a high level and then like sort of organize their thoughts in whatever the way they need to and drill down into, all right, first possibility, let's test this out. This is our plan. This is how I'll do it. This is what will indicate that it is this or this. And based on that, I will do, you know, branch off into your different options for troubleshooting. Um, being able to organize your thoughts in that way, um, it was a painful thing for me to learn at first because for whatever reason, my brain just didn't want to learn that way but after working in the knock for a while at the isp i i did have to learn that because my job was constant troubleshooting mm -hmm. um and and carrying that lesson and that skill over to aerospace um i don't work with other ne network engineers like in person on the stuff that i troubleshoot i'm the only one oh, and wow. so i yeah it's scary it was scary at first right um if I'm out of an idea, I'm out of an idea. Nobody else has has an idea, really. So um, being able to sort of, like, bring that skill over was very helpful because um, people can tell me, like, hey, my box can't talk with that box on the rocket, and that's a really, really bad thing, Lexi. But they won't be able to say, like, I took a PCAP here, right? And, like, this is what I saw. They don't know to say, like, oh, well, I looked at the network on this portion and I saw that my message got up to this point, but then it was dropped by something, right? They don't know that process. Mm -hmm. And so I can come in. And even if it doesn't end up being a network issue, which it almost never is because my stuff works really well, um, I, can still, I can still help with the troubleshooting process anyway because it still involves the network and that's a network engineer's like strongest skill, I think, is that that step-by-step -step troubleshooting. Um, the next thing that I would really highly recommend working on for everybody is taking a PCAP using DCP dump wherever you, you know, at certain points in the network and then opening it up in Wireshark and understanding Wireshark. Wireshark is an amazing, amazing tool. Um, I know that there are like vendor solutions that can do like a version of this for you. So 
if that's what you have then cool um but i'm just gonna call it like pcaps and wireshark for now because that's what i'm familiar with um being able to like look not only use wireshark like learn how to use that software um but also be able to you know dig a little bit deeper into what you expect like you studied ospf in your ccna or ccmp studies right like can you recognize the ospf stuff that's happening right now can you recognize the routers talking to each other whatever they're doing can you recognize like this is bgp the ip address here does this make sense to you like being able to look at a pcap even though there's a lot of like command line stuff going away and like manual stuff going away don't lose these kinds of skills in favor of automation um, automation is great but make sure you're still able in the event that you need to to analyze network traffic and mm -hmm. information so. fantastic and then finally somewhat similar have you got any advice for anyone looking to start getting into networking um i'll start with that one if that's right and then my first one would be um buy some old networking hardware take it home and set up a lab yeah that was and just mess yeah. around with it for ages that's how play around that's how i got that's how i built my knowledge of stuff so that's that's my little bit of advice <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely have a little bit of a home lab if you can. Now, I understand that can get expensive, even like the old networking equipment, like depending on where you are in your career and your life and whatever, um, a couple hundred bucks for like old ass switches, it can be a lot still. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can, having a physical lab is great, but you don't have to have that. So my like inverted namesake packet tracer is a great way to like get started um without having to have physical equipment i think you can download it for free if i remember correctly um okay from cisco uh I, yeah i don't remember it's been a, it's been a while since i used it but um yeah i'm pretty sure you can download it for free and a lot of people share like labs uh specifically built for packet tracer um online that they just they'll just share with you um it's a great community so you can like practice your networking skills using those labs that they create um, also like, honestly, I, I get people asking me how to get into networking or tech or whatever, a, a lot, a lot. And I don't want to like simplify it too much that it's stupid, but also like, just get your CCNA. Like that is my biggest piece of advice for anybody. Just get your CCNA, whatever, you know, and I know that's a vendor specific cert, but it is the one that I'm aware of that not only teaches you vendor specific stuff, but it also focuses very heavily on the basics of networking in like a non-vendor specific way too. And so um, I would say that honestly, my biggest piece of advice, just, just go for your CCNA because the things that you learn going for that and then passing that exam um, will carry over into everything else in networking and it's, it's invaluable. Mm. So. Yeah, also, like, um, even if you can't buy any sort of networking hardware, just sort of deconstruct your home network a little bit and try and figure out how that all works together. Um, and maybe, if you can, put some VLANs in place. I, I, I do appreciate that most hardware doesn't support VLANs. Um, most consumer stuff doesn't anyway, but, um, I have a rant I could go on, which I won't right now. Um, but like, I agree with you, right? First of all, I agree with you. So I'm not trying to take away from that, but I will say it has been annoying as shit to have to like, like demystify VLANs for people who only know them based on, uh, consumer hardware, because there is actually a lot of like consumer hardware, networking hardware now that does allow you to enforce VLANs, but like. 
in like a limited way. Like it's not exactly like the VLANs you would you would put in on the command line or whatever. Um, they they and they have like different options and it's different it's names. all sort of like yeah, and it's like behind like a GUI, right? So it's not clear. What, like they, people just assume like I know what a VLAN is and does and and how it works and where you can use it and where you can't just because like I don't know no offense ubiquity but like because ubiquity like gave me these options or whatever right um and that's not that's not usually the case like it's not the kind of VLAN you'd enact on like a Cisco machine mm. right so not trying to be elitist about it but like I get annoyed I get annoyed I, I know a lot of engineers who just they're not network engineers and they just think they know what VLANs are and that they can tell me what I can do with VLANs <clears throat> based on their knowledge of their home network and the GUI that they've used like three times. So that, that's my rant in a, in a, in small form. <laughs> uh, I think that's a, that's a good place to end. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, And my like hating on <laughs> consumer networking hardware. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, where can people find you online if they want to find out more about what you make and do? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I, you can find me as Track It Pacer on pretty much any social platform that matters at all. Um, so like Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, I'm really big on there. And TikTok um, as well. But I post my TikTok stuff to Instagram. Um, I'm also on like the Twitter alternatives. So like mastodon blue sky threads um all that good stuff so uh, i also have a website and it is trackitpacer.com if you want to learn a little bit more about me i have some like ccna and a little bit of ccmp resources on there that i periodically add to yep. in sort of blog form and they're just like other people's resources that helped me out so if you're interested in that kind of stuff and getting started I hope that can help you. Nice one. So. Yeah, all, the, all of your uh, social media links and website links will be in the show notes. And then thanks everyone for watching or listening to this episode of Creator Spotlight. You can find out more about the interface at theinterface.uk. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you again next time. Bye.